I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Hannah Lilith Asadi is the author of The Stars Are Not Yet Bells, a novel. She teaches fiction at the Columbia University School of the Arts. Her first novel, Sonora, received the Rosenthal Family Foundation Award in Literature from the American Academy of Arts and Letters and was a finalist for the Penn Robert W. Bingham Prize for Debut Fiction. In 2018, she was named a National Book Foundation 5 Under 35 honoree, which I will now never get. She lives with her family in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Stars Are Not Yet Bells. Thank you so much for having me. You are a beautiful, lyrical, like poetic writer. I, I really appreciate your writing style and and very excited to discuss your book. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Can you tell listeners what your book is about? Sure. Um, it's about a woman who has dementia and as she's succumbing to her illness, she begins to live more and more in her past and in a beside a lover who has been long dead for for many decades, right? So the memory of their relationship sort of resurfaces and reemerges. And simultaneously, she begins to see these sort of strange metaphysical blue lights that occupy the island where she has lived with her husband for many years. So that's, (laughs) I'm not very good at this, the elevator pitch, but that's the general summary. You did, you did wonderfully. I have a passage that I had just, even from the beginning, I just want to, you know, why don't I just read the the first 
part, just the, just the first page even, which okay. I, I have online. But it says, it is not yet the end. Moss descends from the oaks, thick as curtains, veiling the night secrets from the living. A wild mare and her foal are out to feed before the dawn. Seagulls bark their hunger at the sky. And Lyra, Lyra, our island, remains above the sea. The ocean has not engulfed all this, even though I have woken from that dream I've had again and again over the decades. In last night's rendering, after the island has burned and sunken into the waters and all the stars had fallen into the Atlantic, I could still swim. And beneath the surface, wandering among the blue constellations like a mermaid, at last I found Gabriel. So good, <laughs> beautiful. I just Thanks, love I your right. Wait, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Okay, take me back and tell me about how you became a writer. Why you? Why, how do you? How, your style, your training, this way of telling this particular story, all of that. Sure. So I think I was always writing just sort of little fictions ever since I was a child. Primarily when I would get into trouble or something, I would write a little story. <laughs> I think my my father used to tell me I did this. But anyways, I wasn't seriously inspired until high school. An English teacher assigned sort of a creative writing response assignment to The Sound and the Fury, where we had to write a chapter from Caddy Thompson's perspective. And that was kind of the first time that I ever wrote fiction. I'm sure it was awful, but <laughs> that was my first piece of fiction. And then, you know, I wrote, but more I would say like journal wrote, right? Until I was in college and I studied creative writing as an undergrad in addition to Middle Eastern literature. And when I graduated, I was writing stories and I knew that I knew I wanted to be a writer and I still didn't really know how to formalize that desire yet. And I did my MFA and that, you know, both. <laughs> Sometimes it definitely helped me. I think there were some hindrances to it only because of its cost, but it certainly did help kind of formalize my education and also just, you know, push me toward the right people to help me actually become a professional. And yeah, so that was, that was kind of the, the progression there. And after my MFA, I published my first book, Sonora. And once that was out, I had been working on a, a few different projects and none of them I have this tendency to kind of like start something and it'll get to a certain point and then I realize it's just not moving anymore. And that was happening with a lot of things kind of while I was waiting for my first book to come out. So in the month afterward, my mom and I had gone to visit my great aunt who has since passed. And I had recently seen this picture of my grandmother with this man whom none of us knew who he was, although my great aunt, I think, did know who he was. So it was sort of this interesting mystery mm. that I wanted to write about, about like the person that you may, who got away, as it were. And also just, I've always been interested in memory and in time and certainly in mortality. I think most writers are interested in the latter. And so I thought Alzheimer's was just, would be such an interesting condition to try to inhabit so yeah, that was sort of the genesis of this particular book. And then it evolved, you know, in strange ways from there and took on a life of its own. Obviously, my parents were not in the jewel <laughs> industry and didn't live on a strange island off the coast of Georgia. That was all its own, you know, how a book takes on its own life. And have you always had, you know, you said most authors are focused on Mortality, which I share with you. <laughs> Mortality. I feel like the movie with Julianne Moore. Did you ask Alice? Is that what it's called? Or ask Still Alice? Alice. Yeah. Still no, Alice. I haven't seen. 
Oh my gosh, you have <laughs> to watch it. I, I, yeah, I, I should probably watch it. You know, I avoided things that like felt like they were in similar territory because I was afraid that I would try to emulate too much. But tell me, what were you going to say? Well, no, just, you know, it's also sort of an ode to language, right? It's in the power yeah. of our command over language, which is one of the things that Alzheimer's affects, right? It's your ability to even communicate in the same way. I don't know. I am haunted by that movie. I think about it more than any other movie, particularly when I... I'm tired and I can't even find the right words, right? And I wonder, and then like novels like yours, like where you where you really go into that and you, like memory and language and all of our mental facilities are just, I mean, they're just beyond our grasp. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so easy for it to all just go I away. I know. Yeah, I mean, obviously this book, you have to sort of suspend disbelief a little bit because her language stays pretty, she has command of, language well, well, narrator yeah, till yeah. To, until the end. But one of the things I always found really upsetting, like reading my grandmother's letters to my grandfather is that she was very articulate and a very elegant and sophisticated writer, although not formally trained, obviously. But toward the end, is the, she had Alzheimer's as well. And she just started repeating herself all the time and misspelling words and forgetting how to spell and just literally losing language. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the, it's just, you can witness it on the page in a way that, you know, I wasn't there to witness her, but it is so sad that that it's so easily lost. (laughs) My grandmother's both at the very end, you would sit with them and they would like say, it's like a, like a record or something on replay. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're younger than me. Maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about, but you know, like where it just like keeps replaying like all this, you know, like the track just loops and you're like, wait, you just said that. Wait, you just said that. What, what's going on? And you're like, am I losing my mind or? Yeah. And it's so interesting what they repeat too, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes. And, you know, why? <laughs> but yeah, we don't know enough, certainly. And um, maybe one day we will know more <laughs> about yeah. the brain, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating and sad at the same time. So, did you anyway. uh, did you do a lot of on the research side? You know, I think I did more research than I give myself credit for. But it's been so long. You may know from talking to as many authors as you do, and being an author yourself, how long the publishing industry can take. So sometimes I it feels faint to me. But I did do some research. I wouldn't say it's heavy. It was heavy, right? Because I really wanted this to be her own story and it's lyrically driven as you said but I did do research into sort of you know how the condition manifests itself just to hopefully get some of the moments right so like there are moments when it's sunset sort of those liminal hours where she is worse and I think that is manifest in the book which I think is called sunsetting right Mm -hmm. so I did do yeah, I did do some research and I did a lot of research into the treatment of mental illness in the 50s and 60s since mm-hmm. she is undergoes electric shock, electric shock treatment and also sort of the advent of pharmaceutical drugs to treat depression. And so I there was research just like <laughs> I don't think I read too many books on the matter as a lot of I, I would never hate to admit this, but a lot of Googling and um but I did read about Cumberland Island and the Carnegies there as well, since that sort of um, inspired the setting of the book. So You should read this new book by Lee Kravitz called The Confessions of Sylvia P. I think it's, that's what it's called, Some, about Sylvia Plath. And it has a whole section of her electric shock, tre- electric shock treatments. Oh, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. I'll pick it up. Thank yeah, you. That was really good. 
So you said it took a long time. When did you start writing this? And when, like, what's the, what was the whole trajectory? And did you, did you use the same publisher as your previous book or what did you go at it with it all over again? Or tell me about that. Yeah, no, it was a different publisher. Um, my first book was published by an independent house and this one was published by Riverhead and they did a beautiful job, obviously, <laughs> but there were, you know, I think a lot of people were delayed. I sold it in the fall of 2018. So, and it came out in January. <laughs> so you can do the math there. It's <laughs> a few years, but I think just so much was delayed. I think first there was the elections and, you know, before COVID hit. And I think a lot of publishers didn't want to come out in that season because they knew it would be dense with books that were more like politically relevant, which, you know, makes sense. And then COVID delayed so much. And then, you know, it just, once seasons got backed up more and more. So it feels like I've lived with this. Yeah. For, for a long time, even though the writing of it has been done also for a while, but there is a way in which it's not, you don't fully release it or relinquish it or something until it's out in the world. Like, I think that's just, yeah, (laughs) it's just the nature of the beast. So it's been an interesting few months to finally, you know, begin the process really of letting it go just like, okay, now it has a life of its own. There's nothing I can do about it. So it's like kids going off to college or something. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, 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 I only have a toddler, so I'm not, not there yet, <laughs> but I'm sure that I, yeah, hopefully I'll be somewhat prepared, but probably not. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavor? dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. 
There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. What are you, are you working, what are you working on? I was going to say, what are you working on now? But then with the toddler, you never know. So are you? Yeah, working yeah, on sure. Now? No, no, I am. I am. It was, it's funny. It's interesting. I was working on something for quite a while while I was waiting for this to be published. And similar to my last experience, I put it aside for the time being. Yeah. I'm not sure if I need some space from it to see if it will begin moving in a way, like there's something very, I don't know, mystical about the experience to me. And I feel like if it's not taking on a life of its own, maybe it doesn't want a life kind of thing. So I started something new that's actually just really material that maybe I haven't been wanting to deal with or ready to deal with for a really long time. And now I feel maybe sort of ready. It's intimately connected with my life here in New York, and which I feel like I always feel like it's maybe ending, but I'm not sure. So, so I'm working on that. So that's, that's anyway, I, I can't talk about it more than that, but it's, it's new for now. And it'd be a third novel. And I'm also doing some research into maybe trying to write a uh, screenplay and doing research on a historical figure that um, I'm interested, very interested in. So that's something new creatively that I'm, I've always Maybe you can tell I'm a pretty visual writer. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I've never really applied that to anything else but prose. So it might be interesting to try, but I don't know yet. We'll see. So it's all very, I'm in a very, I'm in the cauldron still. And um, I have a toddler running around screaming. All the time. So I, I guess, you know, times four, right? Well, I don't have toddlers anymore. Um, yeah, but you have four four children. I have four children, but they're yeah, old okay. I mean, not so old. Seven, eight, and four yeah. children. But the toddler days, the little. I mean, I don't know. It's funny because now I talk to people like you, and I'm like, oh, well, how could she possibly get anything done? But at the time, I was like, I still wanted to get everything done, and I still was getting stuff done, but it was just harder. I think it's not until they get a little older that you're like. Wow, that was almost impossible. Like, why did I try so? Why did I try so hard? Like, the time was going to pass. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't know. I have yeah. to say, I have so much respect for people working with small children at home, especially now, and especially in a creative thing where you you, you have to like access this part of your brain to, you know, get into a certain space to write and produce and all of that, and then there's constant distraction. So I don't know. Yeah, and trying to cherish it while. At the same time, getting things done. I think that's the real psychological or existential part. Like, I know this won't last forever and it's adorable. And also, like, yeah, who am I? I? (laughs) Honestly, modern day life is just not particularly well set up for parenthood. I mean, at all, really. Like, you have to stop everything and you have to be patient and you have to allow for tantrums and you can't be in control of your time and, you know. And yet everything else is so, you know, iCal blocked off everything. I, I don't know. It, it, it's like, it's like a joke. Kids just make a joke of all the scheduling and, you know, all yeah. the other stuff you might be trying to do. So, Yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it. And we could joke of it. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like how you put that you're in the cauldron. It's 
pretty dark place, but maybe you're making something <laughs> really delicious in the cauldron, like some yeah, great tomato maybe, soup or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, sadly, I think it has to be a little bit dark for me to even do it. So we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, one day we'll be able to talk about that one. Well, you know, it's yeah. I'm just taking along, being a little more forgiving of myself, as you said, right? Because these are, yeah, these are the toddler years and. Yeah. Hopefully I'll have more time one day. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a writing partner? Like, do you ever show your work to anybody or read it out loud or? Yeah. You know, at a certain point I show it usually to my mom mm. and I have a few trusted friends, a few readers, like a few readers who always, or at least in the past two books, I've read early drafts of my book, but pretty, pretty soon thereafter, if I feel like I've been with it long enough and revised it, I send it to my agent but there are a few people who are both writers also that I kind of trust with early work but I don't have a writing group which may be a good idea to hold me a little more accountable but I just don't see how I can be accountable to anybody else right now so yeah you have a, a boss baby at work so yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you have for aspiring authors hmm. I think the real only thing that I can say, I mean, there's so many paths to publishing and it really looks different for everybody. I think just like you can't give up, you know, if this is what you want to do, there's, it's, it's not an easy life (laughs) and there's so much rejection and so much struggle. And I think that's the only rule is that you just don't give up on yourself and on your work and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the rest of it, you'll figure out. Love if you it. want to. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you for this beautiful book and the conversation and allowing me the opportunity to feel grateful for the memory I still have uh, while I still have it. <laughs> good, and, good. Uh, you know, holding on to that, trying to shove it in there so it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It uh, evaporates. And, you know, we're also lucky for the time we have when we're able to be at our most productive before other forces are at work. So it's a good reminder. And of course, thank you. Power of love. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, there's always that. Thank you so much for having me and hope to meet you one day in person. You too. Where are you, by the way? Where are you based? I'm I'm in Brooklyn, but, you know, that's always, that's, it seems to be um, a debatable. (laughs) We're we're not quite sure what's next, but yeah, we're in Brooklyn at the moment. Are you in the city? I'm like, she's either in in New York or like Santa Fe because you have like the archways. And the oh back. yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. This is, it's funny because I am from Arizona and this oh, okay. apartment that we're actually t- subletting. We, we lived here for many years and went to Arizona and came back and we sublet this for the semester because I'm teaching in Columbia. It does have a very Southwestern feel and it's totally random, but it is, it is sort of an interesting reminder <laughs> of where I come from. So yeah, for where sure. Did you, yeah. Where, in, where in Arizona did you grow up? I'm in the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We may, you know, I, 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 I have, it's, I'm, it's a very complicated relationship I have because when I'm out West, I miss it, the city. And when I'm here, I miss it out there. So maybe <laughs> one day I'll figure out how to have both. But at the moment, certainly this past winter has made me miss Arizona for sure. My, my mom and so. stepdad basically retired out there. And so oh. they're outside Scottsdale. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. They come here for the summers basically. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the ideal life. So I, yeah, I grew up in Scottsdale and oh, okay. uh, I know where are they? It's they are in there. a tiny town called Carefree. Oh yeah, I love Carefree. 
I love it. I love, I mean, Cave Creek and Carefree are just, because they retain that sort of old West feel, but they still have sort of the nice parts of Scottsdale, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe out there or here, I'll see you one day. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.